This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. All my feline friends, this is Michelle Fern, host of Catitude. Oh, I have a special guest today. I can't resist from Down Under. You're probably thinking, hmm, what is that? We'll be right back. I'm very excited about this guest. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to introduce Philippa Sandal. She is the author of Seafurs, and she is coming to us all the way from Australia. Welcome, Philippa. Welcome. Thank you very much, Michelle. It's lovely to be talking to you and to your listeners. Well, it's wonderful to have you on. And, you know, that's the power of digital radio. It's everywhere. So I know. It's amazing, isn't it? It, it just makes the world a little smaller. And um, It does. It does. I did travel to Australia many years ago, and it was 19 hours, and I lived in Los Angeles then. Now it would be, I think, because I'm on the other end of the country, I think 24. Oh, I flew, my husband and I flew from Australia to Houston long ago, and it was 27 hours. Okay, so then it would be 28 hours for me then, because we're about an hour past that. and. You know, you magically lose a day and you magically get one back and the return back. The return back seems like it's a really long day that would never end, you know, doesn't it? I think you can be confused. Yes, very long. So let's talk about your book. It's called Sea Furs and it's the ship's caps who lapped and mapped the world. And tell us what it's about. Well, some time ago, I was talking with a friend who was writing about a famous explorer who was the first person in 1801 to 1803 who sailed right round Australia, which is a pretty large continent to sail around. And he had a cat called Trim. And we were chatting about this, and it seemed, and you know, and, and one is just amazed that 
he had the cat called Trim who did all that sailing. But what was extraordinary, Michelle, is that he wrote a story about his cat called Trim, and the book's just called Trim, and it's the, probably the first and only complete book, kind of from birth to death, of a ship's cat. And we were talking about this and laughing and things, and then suddenly, a day or so later, it must have been in my mind, and the word seafarers came into my mind, which I thought was quite a fun word. And I decided to start researching ship's cats. And I knew about Trim, but I just didn't know about all the others. And there's just hundreds of them. And every ship had one because every ship also had rats. And you needed cats to keep the rats down. I just found the book so interesting. There's so much history. The photos are great. I love history, by the way. And I love history, too. You know, it's it's definitely something you don't think about because most people don't associate cats with any type of water. I know, I know. Well, of course, I think the cats probably did their best not to end up in the water. Um, And I think that when you read the stories, especially the stories from um, that were in newspapers in the latter part of the 19th century and the early part of the 20th century, they clearly had quite a good life on board especially if they had managed to get a berth down near the galley. Yes, of course. (laughs) Then they would be very happy. (laughs) And they were much loved. I mean, I think that especially in wartime, I found the the photographs of sailors with their cats very moving. It definitely makes sense. I mean, back then... Especially, I think, at sea, there weren't ways or time or money to keep the boats super clean and perfect. I mean, way back, ships were mostly used to for work, you know. It was for, yes. right? It was for yes. either catching fish or catching, you know, whales for their oil for to be used for something. Yep. It was for work, and it wasn't you know, anything ritzy or anything. So the ships were very dirty and thus rats and thus cats did a great job at keeping all of that. It was a necessity. Cats were almost a necessity, wouldn't you say? Cats were absolutely a necessity. And I think that one of the first things that got me absolutely hooked into the story was that when people began trading grain, and we're talking, you know, some thousands of years ago, clearly they needed a cat to protect the grain on board ship, just as they needed the cats to protect the grain in their granaries on the land. And the very early stories are about, referred to cats and the number of mice that they would catch in Egypt. And then, obviously, then you get maritime law. So way back in the 15th century, you have a a law of the sea that says if the ship's captain or master, as they called him then, had a cat on board and the cargo was destroyed or damaged by rats, he wasn't liable. But if he didn't have a cat, he was. So of course he would have a cat. Otherwise, it was going to cost him. That is really interesting. And yes, so it's the beginning of insurance. Your insurance policy right. was a cat. <laughs> exactly, your cat was your insurance. That's exact. That's your cat was yes. your insurance policy. Yes, and how cool is that? <laughs> yeah, cat insurance. So, tell us about some of the stories that you like from your book that really stood out. What's your one favorite story? Well, I have to say, 
my one favorite story is the story about the cat who gets shipwrecked in the Antarctica in the South Shetland Islands in 1820-21. And this is a ship that was down there for the truly horrendous business of sealing that we won't go into. I find it almost impossible to read about those sorts of stories. But the Cora was shipwrecked and they make their way to the shore and they improvise a camp with barrels and the crew have two or three of the barrels and there's a spare barrel that the cat moves into and he's joined by two penguins and the cat and the penguins share the campsite. I just couldn't get over it. I do. I am very fond of penguins as well, I have to say. That's very interesting. Yeah, I saw the picture with the penguins. Yes. And, it, you know, there's so much history in your book that there's so much, I mean, just so much very interesting history that I'm glad you were able. I can't think of one favorite. There was just so much. It is hard to pick a favorite, isn't it? I do love the story. And your listeners might really enjoy it when they get to see a copy of the book, which should be in bookshops and on places like Amazon and those sorts of things pretty soon. But I did love the story, which is an American one, of the two of called Catnipped, of the two ship's captains and one back in about, I think it's about 1919, just after the First World War, and captain of the Solace. USS Solace is complaining to the captain of USS Bell that they kidnapped their cat, or catnipped as they call it. And they write these incredibly funny letters that you really wouldn't expect from the captains of important ships at sea. But they did, and it just showed you that the cat was important, his name was Thomas Whiskers, and that these men had an incredible sense of humor and fun. I think I remembered reading that, and I just like the idea of calling it catnip because it's, we, you know, these days we don't think of catnip as, as that. But no. Yes. I know that you explained in the beginning about what made you think of, but did you think of writing the book? But did you, when you were doing your research, think that you would find so much information about so no. many different boats making the journey with their cats and the different cat stories and all of that? Did you expect this? I absolutely did not expect that. And I think that that was one of the delights of the whole thing was was to discover how, not only how important the cats were to, and how many there were, but how people wrote about it. And we think of today and the internet as being, you know, cat territory and, and a cat phenomenon. But in fact, it goes way back, it goes back, to the beginnings of popular newspapers from about in America, especially from about the 1870s. And newspaper editors used stories of fun stories about ships' cats to boost their circulation way back. It's just incredible, really, Michelle, isn't it? It's it not is. New. And I really, really do love history. I someplace have a newspaper, and it's a US paper or like a journal or something, a gazette, something like that, from 1865. And they're talking about the president. And 
Yes. I believe that, that would be Lincoln. Yes. So when, you know, you look at something and you realize, my goodness, this is, you know, how old it is and you're reading information. It's just mind boggling when you think about it because it makes, you know, the history that you learned about in school just more real. It does, doesn't it? And I think that, you know, you refer to 1865 and you're talking about the Civil War, which of course was a terrible event, but it was recorded. It was probably the first war that was recorded in photographs, which are all in your amazing Library of Congress. And one of the photographs is of the crew of a large ship. And this is in 1865, and they're holding, one of the crew members is holding the ship's cat. I didn't include this in the book because it just would be, it's, a photograph with so many people, it would be really hard to see in a small format. But if your listeners are curious and go Googling, I'm sure they'll find it. And after we close down today, I'll send you the link so you can tell them where they can find it because it's just astonishing. 1865 and there's a ship's cat. You know what I think makes this even more interesting? And correct me if I'm wrong because you clearly know a lot more about history than I do. But going back 100, 200 years, people didn't really have, unless they were affluent, they really didn't have, you know, pets. No. Because no. it was expensive and, pe you know, mm. people barely had leisure time. They worked long hours. They had one day off a week and that was usually for, you know, religious reasons. And that was their one day to do all their cleaning and whatnot. And that was work. It's not like you know, today we do a load of laundry and throw it in. That was by hand. It was just a lot of work. So people didn't have many pets then, or if they had at all, correct? Yes. No, they didn't. People didn't have pets. They didn't have time. They didn't have money. But sailors did from way back have, because they're at sea and there's not a lot to do. And there are earlier stories from British history, which goes back further in this way, where they talk about how lonely they are at sea and the only comfort is the pet dog or the pet cat. And this is like, you know, looking at 1800 when during the Napoleonic Wars and those sorts of things. And there they are at sea, away from home for many, many months. And they have a cat who provides them with some comfort and obviously a great deal of joy and entertainment because we know that's what cats do. I think it's just so interesting that it's something you wouldn't think of, of cats on boats and 200 years ago, even longer, and what mm. a necessity they were and how smart they are because a lot of them had to adapt to surroundings they were not used to mm. rapidly because cats are pretty uh, smarter than we know. Oh, I think so. I think so. And I think probably in many cases they adapted to their surroundings faster than many of the sailors on board. Because, of course, they're naturally agile and good at things like climbing, which many of us have discovered. Of course. And then I was reading about there was one story, if um, you could expand on this one, there was one story where the cat was thrown overboard and in the water for a few minutes, right? I mean, that was one, but I'm yes. sure that happened a few times. It seems to 
be quite, well, I suppose you'd say common, but in fact, it's probably not that common. But people write about it because what happens next, so the cat goes overboard, and what happens next astonishes bystanders is that they stop the ship and row to the rescue. Well, in one case, they row to the rescue. And in another case, in the book, the bosun dives overboard and rescues the cat. And on my website, which is uh, com, there's a story, another story about by Alan Villiers, who also in about 1930s, the kitten goes overseas and is in the water for over 10, 15 minutes. And, but they row and out there and in the middle of the Pacific Ocean rescue the kitten. It's astonishing, Michelle. It's just astonishing. Right. And I guess what I mean is common is you, you know, cats keep their balance pretty well, but it's, yes. they can fall overboard. And I only have had a very um, small example of this when my cat Molly decided to go into the bathtub, which was full during a hurricane. So yeah. she likes to jump in there and usually there's not water in, but she found out that there was water in. And I thought all the splashing was this the ceiling breaking open or something and the hurricane coming, rain coming into the house. But it was her. How how, how she managed to get into a, a closed bathroom and a closed shower, I have no idea. But, you know, cats are very curious. They're very bright. But they can't swim, though, can they? Or some, or if yes, some they do. can swim. They can swim. I mean, I don't think there's not what we call swimming today. We'd probably call it like dog paddling. But most mammals, most four-legged mammals, cats and dogs, can swim. Like we know dogs pretty much like to swim. And cats don't because they have, I suppose they have a problem getting dry afterwards because of the fur. But if they have to, they will automatically keep their head above water and start paddling and they stay afloat. People don't. We have to learn to swim. Hmm. So I think that a big difference is that cats actually have one up on us here. It's just that they don't choose to go into the water. Right. And they usually can avoid it because they're pretty, for the most part, most cats are pretty nimble on their feet. Or, yes. or I should say pause. So, Philippa, this has been so much fun and so interesting talking to you. Okay, here's something. Out of all of the cats that you did research on and wrote about in sea furs, which was your favorite? I just find it really, really hard to pick one favorite. It's just that they're all so interesting and... Uh, and they have such extraordinary personalities. But as an individual cat, I have to say, I suppose my favorite would be Trim, who is Matthew Flinders, the explorer's cat. And there are three tales or three short extracts from the whole Trim story in the book because there are just, you know, you, we know more about Trim than we know about any other cat. And it's, I guess it's easy to be really keen on something when you know a lot more about it. So I suppose my very favorite cat is Trim because he had such personality and he not only circumnavigated Australia, but he circumnavigated the world, which is pretty intrepid for a cat, isn't it? He must be one of just a few 
that have been around yes. the world. Yes, well, it's just we know about him, you know, and, and when you know about one, it's, you know, that kind of, you realize, well, that's the one you know about. That's the tip of the iceberg. How many hundreds of others were there? Yes, there must be many, many more and such interesting stories. Where can people find seafers? Seafers should be in good bookshops and online at all sorts of, at your favorite online place. I know it's in places like Barnes & Noble and Amazon. And pretty much I know that the distributors, Workman, and my publisher, The Experiment, have done a great job getting it out there. So it shouldn't be too hard to find. Okay, and I'm sure all of my feline friends, my Catitude audience is very interested in everything and anything cat. So I'm sure they're going to find seafur is very interesting. Okay, here's a question for you now. I don't think we're, even though we're miles, 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 so many miles apart, I don't think, you know, pet parents in the U.S. are that different from pet parents in Australia, or maybe I'm wrong, but... Is there anything that you have heard about pet parents in the U.S. specifically, you know, pet parents of cats that you just doesn't make sense to you in Australia or are we all the same? I think we're pretty much all the same. I, well, I suppose the one big difference is, is that I think in the U.S. you have your radio show and there are other digital radio shows. So I think in terms of connecting people who are interested in caring for their pets in the best possible way. I think you're way ahead of us there. We just don't have those resources. Well, we're a much smaller country, not terms, in terms of size, but in terms of population, there's only about 25 million of us. So I think that you, you're way ahead of us in terms of communicating good information about pet care to pet owners and that's very important you know you can't just have an animal and then not not feed it properly and care for it properly and make sure it's had its shots and those sorts of things so you're way ahead of us but we'll catch up yeah i'm sure you well that's a whole nother show of everything yeah it's we have a show a vet show and it's calling vet show and the mm. things that people come up with it's called ask the vet with dr jeff and get this Dr. Jeff was brought, I think it was a hamster with a broken leg. Yep. He actually oh. made a little, oh, what do you call it? A little... Um, a little splint. A little splint. A spurt little leg and he, out of toothpicks, and it worked. Well, I think any little child with a hamster would just be so grateful. Oh, the pet parents of the hamster were thrilled and Dr. Jeff was thrilled and he had it on his show because it's a live call-in show in Google Hangouts so you yep. can see and it was absolutely wonderful and it was so wonderful having you on Catitude to talk about seafurs. Thank you so much, Philippa. Thank you very much, Michelle and thank you to your listeners. Goodbye from Australia. Okay, bye-bye. What a wonderful show. Okay, if you like history and you like cats, you have to read this book. It's called Sea Furrers, and there's so much history, and Philippa did so much research on this book. It's amazing. You can find out more 
if you go to PetLifeRadio.com, go to the show page of this episode of Catitude, and there'll be a little blurb about, you know, the show. There'll be a link to her website, um, the title of the book, and I'm going to try to get the link for that picture that's in the Library of Congress also. That'll be really interesting. A big thank you to my guest, Philippa, for coming on the show and telling us all about this such wonderful history and information about um, her book. And thanks to my producer, Mark Winter, for making me and my guest sound great. Thanks to my cat crew, Dennis, Molly, and Charlotte, for always amazing me about the wonders of being a pet parent to cats. And most of all, thanks to everyone listening. I appreciate it so much. I get emails, you know, I'm adopting a cat. Thanks. I love your show. You know, why don't you do this? I love them. Send them on anything. You know, hopefully all good stuff, bad stuff, whatever you want to send. Michelle at PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks. Keep listening. We have so many great shows, so many interesting shows coming up. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.